All right, what's up, YouTube? I'm Minister Derek Hallett of Sound the Trumpet Ministries, soundthetrumpetministries.com. And today I want to do a teaching called uh, The Truth Shall Make You Free. The Truth Shall Make You Free. Now, I know a lot of people have used the term the truth setting you free, but I like the term that Jesus used as the truth making you free. And the reason why I say that is, is because I think that there are a lot of people that, you know, when you're set free from something, that means that you just roam wild and you do what you do. But when you're made free, you're not just made free and um, just being set free from chains, but you're also what you would call, um, you know, being made righteous so that you can stay free. You see, being made free is to stay free you know, being set free is just to move away from one thing or another. So there's a building process in being made free than there is from being set free, all right? I love that the Bible says make you free, but if we examine truth, you know, can you imagine a world where everybody told the truth? Can you imagine if everybody was incapable of lying and they all told the truth? You couldn't fathom what kind of world we would have and how things would be. You know, the Lord continues to teach me every day why it's so important that we walk in the truth. Not only is there power in the truth, but, you know, it keeps you away from things like deception. It keeps you away from things like bad relationships, things that you shouldn't be in. Because if you just be 100% honest, you might have an awkward feeling at the moment, but then after that, you're set free from it. You know, but a lot of people have become people pleasers. And we've done things like this to be able to cope and to get along with people. Hey, Sister Sarah, but really what we end up doing is binding ourselves in chains. Even all the lies you think about that you learned in school, even the lies that are being spread today, how you're even told that you can't identify, you can identify as whatever you, you want. I see a real assault and a real attack on the truth because of the fact that a lot of people want to be shrouded in lies. What protects those lies are the feelings of people. Well, I feel what should be, and because of that, I'm going to cloak myself in this. But you know, that's not the ways of God. That's not what God stands for. That's one of the awesome things about Jesus is, we gotta understand what truth is. Truth is not just facts. Truth is not just information. Truth is what is. Truth is the source of it all. Truth is all about God and all about everything concerning him. A lot of people may say, I'm woke. You know that saying that they say today, I'm woke. I'm in the truth. I know what's going on because I know about the Illuminati. You know, I'm woke. I know the truth because I, I know about what's going on in the water. You know, how they're putting fluoride in it. Some people would say, I'm woke because I recognize that you know, the Democrats have their issues and some will say I'm woke because the Republicans have their issues. You see, you're not woke until you know Jesus Christ. And I'm going to explain today why that's so important because he is the source of the truth. You may know about the water, but do you know who's putting that in the water? And do you know why? You may know about the government being corrupted, but do you know who controls the government and why is that? You see, you may not, you may um, maybe identify that the Hebrew Israelites were black, the original ones, but
But see, you don't understand why that doctrine is being promoted, whether it's true or false. You see, when you get to truth, you get to the source of the matter. And if you are truly seeking truth, it's only gonna lead you to one place and that is to Jesus Christ. Everything else outside of that is, you know, maybe some facts, maybe some information, but you don't get to the source of the truth until you discover Christ. Because when you discover Jesus, he's gonna make you aware of his adversary, which is the devil. And all truths and all lies and all deception and all battles spiritually or physically are surrounded by the truth in those two individuals. One, Jesus Christ, who is the light, who is the life, who is the truth. And then you've got the devil, who is the father of lies, the father of deception, the father of unrighteousness that tries to get everyone in line with him. So you see, our lives are based on a battle between two individuals, one, the son of God, you know, and the other, the father of lies, which is the devil. And you know, there are lots of relationships that we can have in this physical life. There's lots of religions that people are shrouded in. There's a lot of things that people think they're doing right, but really they're wrong because they're not walking in the truth. If you're truly seeking truth, you are going to find it in the person of Jesus Christ. And when you know Jesus Christ, he will set you free. No doubt about it. He will set you free if you seek him. Not only will he set you for yourself and your fallen state, and he'll make you someone in him, you know, and, and that's what this whole thing is really all about. So let's look up the definition of truth before we get into this uh, study. This is the biblical definition of truth. That word is G225, and the Greek word or transliteration is aletheia or aletheia. And it means objectively what is true in any matter under consideration. This is one, truly in truth, according to truth. This is two, of a fact in reality, in fact, certainly. This is B. It says what is true in things pertaining to God and the duties of man, moral and religious truth. This is one, this is the second one. It says, in the greatest latitude, here's another, the truth notions of God, which are open to human reason without his supernatural intervention. This is C, the truth is taught in the Christian religion, respecting God and the execution of his purposes through Christ and respecting the duties of man, opposing alike to the superstitions of the Gentiles and the inventions of the Jews and the corrupt opinions and precepts of false teachers, even among Christians. This is two, subjectively, truth as a personal excellence, that candor of mind, which is free from affection, um, a pretense, simulation, falsehood, and deceit. So as you can see, Truth is a very broad and complex uh, word, but it has so many, so much depth to it. I would like to focus on C tonight. We're gonna to get into all of them, but C is the truth as taught in the Christian religion, respecting God and the execution of his purposes through Christ and respecting the duties of man opposing alike to the superstitions of the Gentiles and the inventions of the Jews and the corrupt 
opinions and precepts of false teachers, even among Christians. So as you can see, when you get to Jesus Christ, you get down to the source of all that is, that no lies can hide because not only is he the truth, he's also the light and life, okay? So when you meet Jesus, you get the truth, you get the light, and you get the life, eternal life, because he brings us from a place of darkness and misunderstanding to the place of God's wisdom and understanding what God's purpose is. And when you discover Christ, you discover that he is God. He's God the Son, he's God in the flesh. And, and because of him, you know, you're able to get to the source of all that is, okay? So we're gonna get right in. I don't wanna waste a lot of time in trying to explain. We're gonna explain it during this lesson. I heard a saying um, in one of these uh, thumbnails I looked up and it said, seek truth. It says, you have nothing to lose but your chains. And this is absolutely true. When you are given the truth, you then have a choice to make of whether you're going to follow it or you're not. But you see, the truth does set you free to the place of, hey, now that you know, it's up to you whether or not you receive it. You see, and one thing we know about the truth, it can't stay buried for long. It will come out and it's going to shed light on all that is darkness and all that is lies. What I recognize with people, when they fight against the truth or when they hit with the truth, they get two reactions. They're either pricked in their hearts to desire, you know, you know what, this is right. I need to do what's right. Or you get the violent response when they're pricked in their hearts, they'll gnash on you with their teeth and they'll wanna hurt you just like they did Stephen. What's causing all these women and these abortionists to be so violent? Because they get hit with the truth that God's divine order is right, that the man is the head of the home and that the woman you know, is under the man and the children are in subjection to both. That is God's divine order. So what do they fight against? The truth. And what do they wanna do? Respond violently. You find even within the homosexual community, what causes them to be you know, militant and fighting and angry and wanting to go against you? It's because they're slamming up against the truth. And one thing about God's word, no matter how much they try and manipulate it, they try and take things out of it, they try and do things to try and destroy it. It doesn't matter. God's word will stand there just like granite because God says what he means and he means what he says. So tonight we're gonna to talk about the truth. We're gonna talk about how it makes us free. And we're gonna talk about the dangers of not allowing the light and the truth to get into your life, to get into those areas where you are in need because you're going to find yourself in, in far worse places than you ever cared to. What keeps the drug addict from pursuing Jesus Christ and doing what the Lord says? They'll hear the truth about how drugs are bad, but their rebellious nature goes beyond. The next thing you know, they've got lung cancer, they got kidney failure, you know, they've they've overdosed and now they're on their way out, all because they would not allow the truth to come into their lives. I've seen people on many occasions where their lives are falling apart and you're telling the person, man, just give your life to Jesus. And they're, no, nah, no, nah, I'm all right, man, I'm good. And you're looking at them like, man, this person is dying. What causes that response? because they refuse to accept the truth in who he is and giving their lives over to them. Me, I had to study just about every false religion out there. That's how I know so much about them. And I'm here to tell you that Jesus Christ is the only way. 
what keeps you from believing that or desiring him or walking in there. It's the unwillingness to receive the truth. So how long are you gonna go around doing the things you do, getting involved in the things you're involved in and, and having your life reach the end, you know, where you can't go any further? Are you willing to hit rock bottom before you receive the truth? That's only something that you can answer. As this Jesus says, wisdom is justified of her children. So when you decide to seek the wisdom of Christ, then you'll find out what he's all about. Everything else outside of that is just your speculation. But you see, you've got to believe in order to receive. And when you believe, you know, our Lord will show forth not just himself, not just his light, not just his righteousness and holiness in your life, but the truth will make you free. What you thought was love wasn't love. What you thought was, you know, uh, you know, truth is not truth. You see, when you get to Jesus, he makes all things new and he shows you first and foremost who you are. And then he shows you what, what you ought to be in him. And that's the beauty of the Lord. So let's pray and we'll get right into this lesson of the truth shall make you free. Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name, Lord, we thank you. And we come before you with bowed heads and humbled hearts and contrite spirits. Thanking you, Lord God, for another day not promised to us. And we just ask, Lord, that you forgive us of our sins and our iniquities and our shortcomings and our transgressions and those things that place a veil between you and us. Lord, I'm grateful for this time for my sisters, my brothers, those who are online, those who will hear this message later, that you may give them life, that you may give them peace, that you may give them understanding, that you may give them, Lord, the ability to walk in your ways. Because aside from you, Lord, we've got absolutely nothing. So I just pray that your light shines in this dark world. I pray that you raise up the lights that are within us, that we can reflect you, that people may choose life and not death. And I pray today, Lord, that no man's heart be heard, that no flesh be glorified, but only by your spirit, only by Jesus Christ, Lord, that people may receive you, that their eyes may be open, that their ears may be open, that their hearts may be ready to receive him, Lord, and that your their minds may be transformed. And I pray in Jesus' name that you bind every foul spirit, every demonic spirit, every spirit of error, every spirit of contention and confusion, every spirit of jealousy, malice, and hatred, all spirits of fear, doubt, and unbelief, all lying spirits, all deception spirits, in Jesus' name, remove them from the midst, all distracting spirits, all religious spirits, in Jesus' name, Find the devil, Lord, this very hour that your people may hear your words and may receive you in truth. For you are the King of kings. You are the Lord of lords. You are faithful, just, and true, and worthy of all praises. We pray, Lord, and we ask that all these things be done for your glory and honor. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, so let's get right into this lesson. Again, the name of this lesson tonight is The Truth Shall Make You Free. Let's begin in John 8, and let's look at verse 12. John chapter 8 and 12 is where we're going to begin. But I mean, when you find people resist the truth, it's an ugly thing, man. People will go into false religion. They'll go and do all sorts of things. They'll do anything but come to Jesus. You know, and all the Lord wants you to do is come to him so that he can share the truth with you, that you won't be 
you know, victim to anyone's lies and anyone's deception, but that you will seek him in the inner man. Okay, so this is John 8, look at verse 12. He says, then spake Jesus again unto them saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. So as we talked about already, that Jesus says he is the light of the world, of the whole world. That means he shines light on false religion. He finds light on, he shines light on philosophies and belief systems and things that you and I were raised and taught. What Jesus is making clear is this world is in darkness. And one of the biggest things that the Lord shows us in order for us to follow him and obey him is that he shows you that Satan is truly the God of this world. It is none other than him. Some people think this world belongs to God. Yeah, God may own the earth, but the devil controls the world. He controls the aeon, this particular age, the cosmos that we're in. He's in control. When Adam didn't follow the truth and what God told him to cling to the tree of life and stay away from the tree of knowledge of good and evil, from that day on, this world belonged to the devil. And he knew that he had it outright because he offered it to Jesus. All these things will I give you in Matthew 4 and um, Luke 4. All these things will I give you if you will just bow down and worship me. And you see, they were his to give. So Satan is the God of this world. Jesus has come in this dark world to shine light so that people may see the truth. Look at verse 13. The Pharisees therefore said unto him, thou bearest record of thyself, thy record is not true. Jesus answered and said unto them, though I bear record of myself, yet my record is true, for I know whence I came and whither I go, but ye cannot tell whence I come and whither I go. So Jesus made clear, my record is true. I know that I came from the Father. I know that I came from heaven. I stand outside of time because I am from the very beginning. But he says they don't know whether they go or where they come from. And you see, that's something that fallen man doesn't know. That's why he gets the philosophy of this world and he believes it because he doesn't know his origin. Jesus Christ is here to restore us and to get us in line with understanding what the origin of the Lord is. Look at verse 15. Well, man's origin, you may as well say. He says, you judge after the flesh. I judge no man. And yet if I judge, my judgment is true. But I am not alone, but, and, but I and the Father that sent me. So when Jesus judges, he judges righteously because of the fact that his father, you know, um, tells him the truth or he speaks nothing that his father commands him to speak. As Christians who follow Christ, we've got to be the same way. We've got to speak in accordance with what the Lord says. Why? Because everything that God says is true. So if Jesus judges a situation, if he tells you this is sin, if he tells you this is unrighteousness, this is unholiness, he has a right to say that. Why? Because he is true, because he is righteous, because he is holy, and he's one with the Father. He's not acting like he's righteous by his own standards. That's what we tend to do. I work in the education system where teachers will tell students, don't curse. You know, that's unright, that, that's unrighteous. That's, you know, um, what do they call it? Not respectful. That's not a good thing to say. 
Now, are they telling the kids right? Absolutely. But you see, after three, when the kids go home, then you got the teachers cursing with unclean talk and acting the same way. So are they really living in the truth? Are they really walking in the truth? Absolutely not. So their righteousness is according to their standards, but when the kids leave, they can't be righteous themselves. You see where the issue is? Jesus is the only one who can lay hold to truth and proclaim truth and tell everyone where their errors are, because after all, he's the only one who could walk it and live it. And if you be of the spirit of God, you will be able to judge righteously as well. That's why the Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, uh, verses 13 and 14, that the natural man receives not the things of the spiritual, the spirit of God. Uh, neither can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. He says, but he that is spiritual judgeth all things, yet he himself is judged of no man. But who hath known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. So when you've got the mind of Jesus Christ, you can walk in the truth and you can judge a situation righteously, okay? So he says in verse 17, it is also written in your law that the testimony of two men is true. I am one that bear witness of myself and the father that sent me beareth witness of me. So when you walk in the truth in the life of God, God will turn people toward you because God knows you're living a holy life. You're living a righteous life. So that draws people in. God will honor you because you're honoring him by being a righteous vessel. Look at verse 19, then said they unto him, where is thy father? Jesus answered, ye neither know me nor my father. If ye had known me, ye should have known my father also. So you cannot separate Jesus Christ from the father they are one. That's important that we understand this. They are one. A lot of people claim to know God, but they don't know Jesus. If you call Jesus, he was just a good prophet, just a good man. I doubt he died on the cross. He didn't die for our sins. He was freed from the cross. He never was raised and resurrected and he's not coming back. You can't know the father. The Bible says he is, who was a liar of he that, that believeth that Jesus Christ that doesn't believe that Jesus is the Christ. He is a liar that denieth the Father and the Son. They're inseparable. So for all these Mormons and these Catholics and these Jehovah Witnesses with bad doctrine, all these Baptists that believe in one saved, always saved, and all that other stuff where Jesus told us to endure unto the end, these are people that, are, that don't know the Father. Because if you knew the Son, you would understand the Father. Jesus came to show you and I how we should be towards the Father, how to worship him and how to live our lives because Jesus Christ lives the truth. He is the truth. So let's look at verse 20. Uh, These words spake Jesus in the treasury as he taught in the temple and no man laid hands on him for his hour was not yet come. So you see, no man can take you if your hour isn't come. If you're with God, God will protect you. Look at verse 21, then said Jesus again unto them, I go my way and ye shall seek me and shall die in your sins. Whither I go, ye cannot come. And that's another thing about Jesus that's a great equalizer because Jesus said, when you seek me, you know, when you're looking for me, 
I'll be already long gone. But if you seek me, you'll live. But if you don't seek me, you'll die in your sins. A lot of people are in their sins and that's why the gospel is so intrusive. That's why we tell people about life. That's why we tell people about forsaken sin because we're, we're um, worried about your eternal soul, where you're gonna spend it, what you're gonna do, where you're gonna be. There's nothing more terrifying than laying on your deathbed and as your life is slipping away, you have no idea where your soul is going to go. That's terrifying. That's why the Lord wants us to preach the gospel to people, to tell them the truth, because when they die, they will have no excuse. They didn't choose him when they wanted to. I mean, they chose him when they wanted to and not when he called. You've got to choose the Lord when the gospel is presented to you so that you may live and not die. I mean, you know, hell is serious. If you leave this life without knowing Christ, you will go to hell and there is no plan B. So, you know, we might believe what we wanna believe on this side of things, but everyone beyond the grave knows that Jesus Christ is Lord. Everyone that's in eternity right now knows, hey man, he really was the truth. And now I'm in torment, I'm burning for all the philosophies and things that I believed and I thought was true. Hey man, it's not true. So you wanna be right with Christ before you leave here because Jesus says, look at verse 21 again. Then said Jesus again unto them, I go my way and ye shall seek me and shall die in your sins. Whither I go, ye cannot come. So what is Jesus making it clear to them? They need to be born again. They need to seek the new life in him and not the old. Then said the Jews, will he kill himself? Because he saith, whither I go, ye cannot come. So they asked, was Jesus gonna commit suicide? Look at verse 23. And he said unto them, ye are from beneath, I am from above. Ye are of this world, I am not of this world. And you see, that's what separates the gospel. I hate to keep stopping, but we gotta make points here along the truth because Jesus says, I'm from above, you're from beneath. You can't even fathom what I know outside of knowing me and having my spirit. That's what separates Jesus from Buddha, from Muhammad, from Krishna, and all these other uh, religions. You know, what the difference is, Jesus told us with great detail what the heavens were like, what eternal judgment's gonna be like, what hell is like, you know, the creation of man. All scriptures were written of him. And Jesus tells you how to live, how to get there. He gives you his spirit and he tells you how to get one with the father. But what do other religions do? Give you their philosophy, Muhammad and, you know, what he believed and towards the end of Muhammad's life, he believed that he was being deceived by an angel named Gabriel, which was no doubt a demon, trying to turn Muhammad onto his own religion. Muhammad was suicidal. See, people don't know that, but if you look up the Hadith and you look up the, uh, what's that other, the, the book, their main book, the Quran, you understand that Muhammad had a lot of issues. Even in the Quran, they tell you that the um, prophecy or the, or the spirit is of the Jews, you know? The true prophethood is of the Jews. That's written right there in the Quran, but guess what? Some people don't even believe it. They believe what they're being taught, not what's being written. I am no doubt calling, I mean, I am not in the least calling the Quran a holy book. I'm just making the point that there are lots of truths in there that they say about Jesus 
Their problem is they believe God has no sons, but Jesus is the only one that can tell with great detail what everything is. They believe in Solomon, but Solomon of, of what Proverbs of 30 and four says that Solomon says, who is the Lord and what is his son's name? So even Solomon knew that Jesus Christ was the son of God. That's the problem. If you look at the Buddhists, Buddhists believe what? They believe that, uh, you know, you can live your own way. Even Buddha told his people, don't follow me, you know, follow your own way. So what kind of God is that? What kind of Messiah is that? Having no way is way. You choose your own way. Jesus doesn't, he's not the author of confusion. He brought you and I the truth. You look at Krishna, you look at the Hinduism, they have 300 million gods. Okay, so who am I supposed to listen to here? Which one of you was in charge to show me the right way and where I need to go? You see, all false religion is shrouded in darkness, but Jesus himself walks in the truth. That's what separates him from false religion. That's what separates him from all philosophy. Hey, Brother Rock, how you doing, man? Good to see you on here. Hope all is well. So he says, you know, uh, yeah, so I'm from above. Uh, let's see, verse 25, I think I am. And he says, then they said unto him, who art thou? And Jesus saith unto them, even the same that I said unto you from the beginning. I have many things to say and to judge of you, but he that sent me is true. And I speak to the world those things which have which um, I have heard of him. So Jesus was repeating what his brother, what his father was telling him, just like we can repeat that which we read in the gospel, that which Jesus Christ declares unto us what is righteous and unrighteous. You see, we are the light of the world also if we walk in Christ. Look at verse 27. They understood uh, not that he spake to them of the father and said Jesus unto them, uh, then said Jesus unto them, when ye have lifted up the son of man, then shall ye know that I am he and that I do nothing of myself. But as my father have taught me, I speak these things. So you see, when you lift up the son of man, when you raise up Jesus Christ, when you declare him before fallen man and lies and deception, the Lord will show up with you and he will make known that you're in the truth maybe through signs and miracles following, but he will convict souls of the truth. When you go and proclaim the Lord, he's not gonna leave you defenseless and believing whatever you want. He's going to lead you and show everybody that you're bringing forth the truth. He will reveal himself. Look at verse 29. And he that sent me is with me. Uh, the father hath not left me alone but I do always those things that please him. And he spake these words, many believed on him. Then said Jesus to those Jews, which believed on him, if ye continue in my word, then are ye my disciples indeed. So he made clear, if they continue in the word, then they will be disciples of Jesus Christ. But you see, many people heard this doctrine. They believed on him. They never heard anything like this in their lives. Why? Because Jesus was from heaven and he was giving the wisdom of the father. Look at verse 32. And ye shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. 
So if you become a disciple and remain a disciple of Jesus Christ, you will know the truth. And because of that, the truth will make us free. Man, we don't know what it truly is to be free. In many ways today, we're bound with our feelings. We're bound with life. We're bound with what we think is right. When all we gotta do is rest all those on Christ and have him systematically remove those things that are not righteous out of our lives. Now look at this. He told these people this, but they don't even understand what he's saying. Watch this. Look at verse 34, oh, verse 33. Then answered him, uh, we be Abraham's seed and were never in bondage to any man. How sayest thou, ye shall be made free? You see, they were bound to religion and not even seeing this. They were bound tr to tradition and they could not see the truth. This reminds me of Pontius Pilate when Jesus says, for all those who seek truth, hear his voice. And Pilate said to Jesus, what is truth? You see, Pilate was a Gentile. Pilate was a worldly person. The Romans were taken over, were conquered by Greek philosophy. The Greeks might have, um, the Romans might have conquered the Greeks, but they picked up their philosophy. What is philosophy? Just lovers of wisdom. Philosophy are things that you can tell people, but it's not even true. This is how we get corrupted in school when we're taught about argument, the art of argument, the art of debate. I don't even have to be right. I can just prove my point and I'd be graded upon how I prove my point. But what if I'm telling lies? You see, no one cares about that. They care about how you argued and that's what you're graded upon. So what does that make us all philosophers? And we don't seek the truth. Pilate had the truth standing right before him and didn't even know what truth was. That tells you something in this dark world, how we can hear the truth and not even believe it. So they said, you know, how will we be made free? Look at verse 34. Jesus answered them, verily, verily, I say unto you, whosoever committeth sin is the servant of sin. So Jesus was making clear to them that they were sinners and that they needed salvation. They needed to be saved. You see, when we are in sin, we are not free because sin dictates to us what we do. That's why when the Bible says, whom the son is set free will be free indeed. So anyway, he says um, in verse 35, he says, and the servant abideth not in the house forever, but the son abideth forever. Uh, if the son therefore shall make you free, ye shall be free indeed. So it's not about just being free to what people feel. It's about you being freed from the inside out. Are your desires like the Lord? Have you forsaken sin? Is your heart like his? Is your mind like his? Are you truly righteous in the spirit or are you righteous by your own standards? Because I gave you guys an example of what unrighteousness looks like when it's seen by self-righteous people. Self-righteous people will preach the gospel to you, but be full of sin. Self-righteous people will tell their kids, don't do as I do, you do as I say, but they can't live it. So you see, there is power in the truth, but we first have to overcome sin. Look at verse 37. I know that ye are Abraham's seed, but ye seek to kill me because my word hath no place in you. So if Jesus Christ is the truth and they wanna kill Jesus, what you'll find is two things. People will either embrace the truth or they will seek to destroy the truth. 
There's no in between. Those who embrace the truth recognize where they're wrong and want to be right. Those who seek to destroy truth will tell you, well, I don't care what the truth says. I want to be my own man. You know, I don't see myself as righteous. And that's why we need a new set of eyes. We need to be born again. We need a new perspective. We need new understanding. Everything that you and I were taught from birth is a lie. Everything that you and I were taught from religion is a lie. Everything that you and I did from the beginning was wrong. So we need to be born again. We need to be plucked up by the roots to have new seeds planted, to have the life of Christ living in us, because if not, we're going to forsake the truth. So you see, the truth has no place in these people because they don't want it. Look at verse 38. I speak that which I have seen with my father, and ye do that which ye have seen with your father. They answered and said unto him, Abraham is our father. Jesus saith unto them, if ye were Abraham's children, ye would do the works of Abraham. And what was Abraham known for? Being a friend of God, putting nothing before God and believing in God. He was gonna sacrifice his own son, okay? Because he believed God. Didn't question him, but the Lord told him, now I know that you will withhold nothing from me. So as you can see, Abraham was known as a friend of God. And he says, if you were really Abraham's children, or if you were from that seed, or if you had that very nature, then you would love me like Abraham loved me. That tells you how far back Jesus goes, back to the beginning. So he says in verse 40, but now ye seek to kill me, a man that hath told you the truth, which I have heard of God, this did not Abraham. So when Abraham heard the truth, he desired it. So he says, you do the deeds of your father. Then said they unto him, we be not born of fornication. Uh, we have a one father, even God. So they elevated themselves. Instead of seeking the truth, you find this all the time with people. When they are not willing to receive the truth, they told Jesus, we're Abraham's seed. So they tried to find an authority before the arrival of Jesus Christ, so that Jesus Christ could say, um, oh, okay, you know, well, since you're Abraham's seed. But Jesus, you know, he goes back even farther than that to say, man, Abraham was serving me. You know, you must understand this. But then they said, um, we only have one father, even God. So now they're taking it from Abraham to God. This is what you also find with unrepentant people when you tell them the truth and what the Bible says. They'll tell you, well, God told me to do it. God revealed to me because they want you to back off. But it's not true. God's not going to contradict his word. You know, like you got these women pastors out there claiming that they're pastors. A woman cannot be a pastor in this Bible. She can be an evangelist. She can be a, um, a prophetess, you know, but she um, and she can be uh, a teacher. But she cannot be a pastor and she cannot be an apostle. Those are offices of men. But what do those women tell you? God told me that I can be a pastor. If he says, I suffer not a woman to teach nor to usurp authority over a man, how can you be a pastor? If he says a bishop must be the husband of one wife, how can you be a pastor? But this is what you're finding because they don't want the truth. They want you to back off and they're using the name of God to gain authority. So you see, this goes on. 
You know, this is why they told a lie with homosexuals. I was born this way. Why do they do that? They do that to make you say, oh, well, because you can't help it, then, you know, no one can do anything about it. When you got scientists telling you there's no gay gene, you know, that these people uh, probably adopted that through what you would call familiar spirits. A lot of them were molested. A lot of these things were passed on. And this is where all this stuff comes from. But when you're unwilling to, unwilling to receive the truth, you're always gonna look for some higher power. So now they're saying they're the children of God. Look at verse 42. Jesus said unto them, if God were your father, ye would love me. But I proceeded forth and came from God. Neither came I of myself, but he sent me. So if you love God the Father, as you claim Jesus is saying, then you'll love me. If you love God, you'll love his word. If you love God, you will obey the words of Jesus Christ. Verse 43, why do you not understand my speech? Even because ye cannot hear my word, ye are of your father, the devil, and the lust of your father ye will do. He was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth. You see that? Because there is no truth in him. It's not in his nature. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own. For he is a, he is a liar and the father of it. So when we get involved in lies, we fall up under the leadership or fatherhood of the devil. Because those are not the ways of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is truth. What keeps people from seeking the truth in Christ is their father is the devil. Hey, at one point, the father was my devil. The father was your devil. If you are not born again, the devil is your father. That's why no matter how much you think you want to pursue Christ, you always get brought back to a sinful life because you haven't given everything over to him. That's why we have the Holy Ghost, that he removes things slowly from us so that we can be made right in Christ. It's a daily battle to subdue the flesh, to overcome wickedness of this world that we can live with him. But Jesus is telling them they can't hear his words. They refuse to read the Bible. They refuse to get into the truth because they are of their father, the devil. That's why we need to be born again. Verse 45, and because I tell you the truth, you believe me not. Which of you convinced me of sin? And if I say the truth, why do ye not believe me? So you can see that sin is the biggest issue here with man. Jesus said, which of you convinced me of sin? Do you want to know why there are laws to marry homosexuals? Because of sin. It's the tr it's, it, they don't want the truth. They don't want to believe in Jesus. They want to go according to their own lust and desires. What makes abortion is not believe that it's murder. You know, they refuse to walk in the truth. They don't want to hear God. They want to go according to what they want. Every law in this world, okay, is centrally focused on not God, but the devil. You see, it's, it's meant to shroud the truth. It's meant to hide truth. It's meant to do war with the truth. It's meant that when truth is presented by Christians, or those who believe on Jesus Christ, you're going to be seen as crazy. You're going to be seen as the person that's out of his mind. Why? Because we live in an upside down world. But what does the gospel do? It turns that which is in darkness right side up. When Jesus came into a dark world, remember, 
he had to shine light on it and people didn't believe him and didn't want him. Well, Jesus's goal was that we might receive the truth. And you see, truth is the enemy in a wicked society. When you tell people the truth, watch how they snarl at you. Look at how they hate it. You know why? Because their father is the devil. So you see, Jesus had overcome sin. Jesus Christ is the truth. If we have not overcome sin, or we allow sin to dictate and rule in our lives, then we are not brought to that place of total truth. Because I may tell you what is right, but I myself can't be right. So it all begins in the sin to make things righteous. Look at verse 47, and conquering sin to make things righteous. So he says, he that is of God heareth God's words. Ye therefore hear them not, because ye are not of God. Then answered the Jews and said unto him, say we not well that thou art a Samaritan and has a devil? So they think that Jesus is a devil. Look at verse 49. Jesus answered, I have not a devil, but I honor my father and ye do dishonor me. You see, and this is why when people are unwilling to receive the truth, do you see how they are, um, they'll call you the devil? You see, people would hear what I'm saying right now. And if they've got a worldly perspective, one that comes from this dark world and dark understanding, then I'm going to be seen as unloving. Why can't I just love people and let them be as they are? Why can't I just let people be happy? And what they don't understand is because it's wrong. It is corrupt. It's not righteous. You know, a pedophile has an argument that he can say, I love young girls. And that is what is right in my sight. So what are you going to tell him? He's immoral. That's what God is trying to tell you and I. We're immoral. We need to be made right. I'm no different than anybody else. I was a fornicator. I was a sinner. I was a liar. I did a lot of filth in my life. It was God that told me I needed to change in order to walk with him. This is not picking on people. This is for who is willing to receive the truth and be set free. We all got to go through this, man. You ain't the only, you ain't no victim in this. We all got to be made right in Christ. Look at verse 50. And I seek not my own glory. There is one that seeketh and judgeth. Verily, verily, I say unto you, if a man keep my saying, he shall never see death. So was he talking about physical death? No, he was speaking of eternal death, the second death, hell, the lake of fire. If you keep the sayings of Jesus, you will inherit eternal life. You will not die. Look at verse 52. Then said the Jews unto him, now we know that thou hast a devil. Abraham is dead and the prophets, and thou sayest, if a man keep my saying, he shall never taste of death. Art thou greater than our father Abraham, which is dead, and the prophets are dead, whom makest thou thyself? So these people honored the prophets. They honored Abraham. Well, they thought they honored Abraham, but they were thinking, who is Jesus to proclaim such truth? Who is he to talk in such authority? This is what the truth brings because Jesus was directly with the father. So now they accused him of having a devil. And, you know, they, I mean, who do you make yourself? And I get this sometimes. There's times I'll speak to some pastors that have been pastors 30 years. They might not have understood something that the Lord allowed me to understand. And I'll tell them. 
And you know, the thing that they'll tell you is, how long have you been in seminary? You know, um, do you have a degree? Who are you to proclaim such words? Who do you make yourself that you can come and correct me? You see, when we truly are seeking truth, we lay all pride at the door. We receive correction when it's necessary to receive it so that we can be in good standing with the truth who is Jesus Christ. This is not about pride. Pride is of the devil. If I'm really seeking truth, then it doesn't matter what this word says. It doesn't matter what I need to do. I need to be made right so that I can inherit eternal life. Look at verse 54, Jesus answered, if I honor myself, my honor is nothing. It is my father that honoreth me of whom you say that he is your God. Yet ye have not known him, but I know him. And if I should say, I know him not, I shall be a liar like unto you, but I know him and keep his saying. So we know that we know God when we keep his sayings. Jesus says, if you love me, obey my commandments. You see how love is never void of um, truth, is never void of love. I mean, love is never never void of truth. You see, you can't tell, uh, talk to people about love if you're not willing to share the truth with them. If you're standing in the middle of the road and I love you and there's a truck coming, I'm gonna tell you there's a truck coming so you won't get hit. But if I love you, or if I give a false love, I can say, well, I don't really wanna correct them. You know, they may think I'm bullying them. They may think I'm unloving or I'm trying to tell them what to do. So they'll stand there in the middle of the road and get hit by a truck. Now, who loves who more? Is it the one who, who tried to consider the feelings of the person? Or was it the one that was telling that person of impending doom so that they can seek life and not death? See, love is never void of truth. And when people try and spread that love gospel with me, we better find out if it's in the truth. Look at verse 56. Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day and he saw it and was glad. So Jesus goes all the way back to the beginning, Genesis 18, the, the Lord that ate with Abraham was Jesus Christ himself that came with the two angels. You see, even when it says that when Jesus died, that um, the saints from the Old Testament got up and marched through the streets. You see, they all knew who Jesus was. Jesus is the Lord of the Old Testament. No, he's not the father, but he was always the mouthpiece of God. So he says, you know, Abraham rejoiced to see my day and he saw it and was glad. Then said the Jews unto him, thou art yet 50 years old and hast thou seen Abraham? You know, and, and Jesus said unto them, verily, verily, I say unto you before Abraham was, I am. So Jesus was making clear that he was in the beginning. He was before the world was created. He was the creator of every single thing that is. That's not bragging, guys, that's just fact. That's the truth. Jesus is where the buck stops. Jesus is where all the truth lies. Jesus is the source of our lives and he came to redeem us that we may be made right. It's all about Christ. Anything against Christ is not the truth, but Jesus Christ is the truth. You get to know him, you'll understand the purpose for your life. You'll understand who he intends for you to marry. Your health will even improve if you walk in Christ and you believe that he can do all things. Maybe not in every situation, but one thing we must understand that the hand of the Lord is not wagged short. Jesus says, if you believe and doubt not, 
it shall be done unto you. So you see, we can never impress God void of the truth. So that's important for us to understand. So let's move on. I wanna go to Matthew chapter seven. Matthew chapter seven. Let's see. Okay. She said I was spinning. I'm not sure if that occurred for anyone else, but you know, this is where we're um, you know, taking it. So let's look at Matthew chapter seven. Because there's another vicious lie that we must understand Jesus to get the truth. Thank you, Lord. I'm glad you're doing better, Brother Rock. Seriously, man. Okay, it's okay with Brother Rock. We miss you, man. Our brother had an accident, so let's pray for him too. You know, keep him in our prayers, you know, for healing. Let's look at Matthew 7, guys. Let's look at verse 1. And it says, Judge not that ye be not judged. For with what judgment ye judge, ye shall be judged. And with what measure of me, it shall be measured to you again. Now, this is what we're hearing. This is probably the most famous doctrine or scripture to unbelievers. Unbelievers totally believe that, you know, judge not lest ye be judged. Their version of this is to never tell people about what's wrong because we don't have a right to tell them that, but that's not true. They don't read the rest of the scripture to understand what this means. Okay, so we'll continue. Look at verse three. And why beholdest thou the mote that is in thy brother's eye? but considerest not the beam that is in thine own eye. Or how wilt thou say to thy brother, let me pull out the mote that is in thine eye and behold the beam that is in thine own eye. What is the Lord speaking about? He's gonna let you know in verse five, thou hypocrite, first cast out the beam out of thine own eye and then shalt thou see clearly to cast out the mote out of thy brother's eye. So as you can see, the Lord was speaking of hypocritical judgment. He wasn't speaking of you can't judge. Of course we can judge. He says, he that is spiritual judgeth all things, yet he himself is judged of no man. So as you can see, it's liberating to proclaim the gospel when you're not in sin. Trust me, I know. Because there were times early in my walk when I sinned and I knew that it was wrong. You know, I backslid, I made mistakes. But then when I would tell people about the gospel, you see the truth wasn't living in me. So what did it do? I mean, it just took all the bullets out of my gun. It's like while I was speaking to the people, the Holy Ghost was holding up a mirror looking back at me saying, yeah, well, you do this too. Oh, you talking to people about unforgiveness? You've got unforgiveness in you, look at you. And it's almost like when you're talking to people, you, yeah, cause you know, God wants us to pursue him and, you know, do what's right. That's not how you proclaim the gospel. You proclaim it in truth. You proclaim it because you're living it. So you are authorized to be able to speak it. There is power in the truth. But you see, these people are telling you, you can't judge, but that's not what the Bible says. It says not to judge hypocritically. If you've got a beam in your eye, how can you take the speck out of you? You've got to first take the beam out of your own eye so that you can see the truth to, to remove the speck from your brother's eye. When you've got the perspective, the mind of Christ, you can judge all matters because Jesus Christ is right. So everything that Jesus says, if you're living it, 
you can tell other people not to do it. Does that mean that I'm sinless? Absolutely not. You know, I may be too able to address matters that, you know, I'm not committing those sins. And because I'm not committing those sins, I can tell a person about the truth. So as you can see, those sins that we're guilty of, we got no right to tell anybody. And he wants us to judge, but to be to judge righteously. Because what the devil loves to do to you here is tell you, oh, so you're trying to say you don't have sin? That's not the point. We all have areas in our lives that the Holy Ghost is moving out. But what's the difference between a saint and a sinner? A saint, okay, is only meant to, um, a saint is one who lives his life pursuing God to be made righteous. A sinner lives in sin and has no desire to be made righteous. So as you can see, it's the appetite. A real saint will never willfully sin before God. A real saint will make mistakes and the Lord will bring correction or tell us what we should and shouldn't do. But a sinner, he looks to sin. He lives to sin. So there's a big difference between these things, guys. So if you look up the word hypocrite, let's look at this. This is G5273. And that word means one who answers an interpreter, an actor, stage player, a dissembler, a pretender, a hypocrite. So as you can see, if I'm performing before other people and in my own life, man, I'm full of sin, then I'm a hypocrite. God doesn't want that. The spirit of God doesn't flow through hypocrisy. It flows in the truth and in the person of Jesus Christ. That's why he tells us Christ in you is the hope of glory. That's what we need to pay attention to. Okay, so look at verse uh, six. Give not that which is holy unto the dogs, neither cast ye your pearls before swine, lest they trample them under their feet and turn again and rend you. So it's important for us to be able to tell people the truth, but we got to know when to back off. If they don't receive the truth, if they don't call the truth a treasure, if they want to remain in lies, the Bible tells you and I, kick the dust off your feet and back off. Because if not, these people are already stuck in their ways. They do not want to change and they will hurt you. That's important that you understand. If their father is the devil and they're not willing to be born again to receive Christ after hearing the truth, they're going to do you harm. Let them be and let the truth work on them while there is time. So the Bible doesn't speak against a judgment. It speaks against hypocritical judgment. And you see that truth sets you free because the devil is trying to bridle everybody's mouth in the church telling you you can't judge. You see, but you can judge if you judge righteously and you walk in the ways of Christ. We are the light of the world. We are the light and salt of the earth. We are to preserve God's word and we are to point out what is unrighteous that we may be made right. All right. That's right, Brother Rock. All right, so let's move on. I want to go to Ephesians 6. Ephesians 6, and let's look at verse 10. And Brother Rock, I appreciate your contribution. Praise the Lord. You know, may the Lord bless you 10, 20, 100 fold. Whatever's going on, man. You're a good brother. I appreciate you, man. This is uh, Ephesians 10, Ephesians 6. Let's look at verse 10. So he says, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. 
put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. So as you can see, the Lord wants us to be strong in the power of his might. And he says, put on the whole armor of God that we may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Why is it important that we put on the whole armor? Because if there's areas in our lives that are not covered in, in God, that the devil is going to attack those areas. You can be a very good, well-intentioned person in the Lord and do the things that the Lord tells you to. But you see, you might have an issue with lust. You may have an issue with truth. You may have an issue with all sorts of things. And you see, when you've got that, you're going to have areas in your life that are going to trip you up. And then what'll happen? The wiles of the devil will come upon you and remove things from you, okay? So that's important that we understand that we've got to be able to stand having a being full of Christ. Look at verse 12, for we wrestled not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high or heavenly places. He says, wherefore, because you know that you're fighting against all these demonic entities, he says, wherefore take unto you the whole armor of God that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Now notice the first thing he says in verse 14. He says, stand therefore having your loins girt about with truth. So that is the first thing that the Lord wants us to be able to have the loins of the truth. When we walk in the truth, we will not walk in darkness. When we allow the truth to come in, that is the Holy Spirit, which is the spirit of truth that allows a lies and deception to go away from you. So you first got to be built up from the inside out. Your loins have to be girded with truth and you cannot be lies, okay? You've got to stand in that, that's first. So you gird up your loins with truth and then you put on the breastplate of righteousness. Then you can put on the gospel of peace. Then you can have the shield of faith. Then that can quench the fiery darts of the wicked. And then you can have the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit. But it first begins in the truth. You've got to walk in it. You've got to live it. It's got to be on the inside of you so that God can do what he needs to do with us. That is the first and foremost is to walk in truth. We desire Jesus Christ, why? Because we desire the truth. When you desire the truth, you're going to live it. When you live it, you will manifest Christ and will be light unto other people that they may also receive the truth. Just wanted to bring that point forward. Let's go to John 4. John chapter 4, we're going to begin at verse 6. All right. This is John chapter four. And we're going to begin at verse six. Verse six says, now Jacob's well was there. Uh, Jesus, therefore, being weary with his journey, sat thus on the well, and it was about the sixth hour. There cometh the woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus saith unto her, give me to drink. For his disciples were gone away unto the city to buy me. You know, you almost imagine, well, you know, imagine, you know that 
the Lord told his disciples to go because he knew this woman was coming. What discernment, man. Jesus was God in the flesh, but he needed to talk to her. So he asked her to give him the drink. Look at verse nine. Then saith the woman of Samaria unto him, how is that thou being a Jew, askest drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria, for the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. So this woman understood racism and she understood that the Jews and Samaritans don't run together. You know, what is a Samaritan? They are like what you would call mongrel kind of Jews. They're mixed Jews. They are of the seed, you know, but they're, they're mixed. And it says a Samaritan, an inhabitant of the city of Samaria, an inhabitant of the region of Samaria, Samaria. but the truth is, is that they were like kind of mixed, you know, Jews. So anyway, um, look at verse 10. Jesus answered and said unto her, if thou knowest the gift of God and who it is that saith to thee, give me to drink, thou wouldest have asked of him and he would have given thee living water. So as you understand, Jesus knew that this woman didn't know who he was, but he made clear to her that if you knew, you know, who was giving it to you and you knew who the gift of God was, which was Jesus Christ himself, she would have asked him for water instead of, you know, her complaining about Jews and Samarians or Samaritans don't run together. Look at verse 11. The woman said unto him, sir, thou hast nothing to draw with and the well is deep from whence uh, then hast thou that living water. And uh, she says, art thou greater than our father Jacob, which gave us the well and drank thereof himself and his children and his cattle. So here we have another person not knowing who Jesus is and is comparing him to their forefathers. She doesn't even know that Jacob himself was um, wrestling with the angel of the Lord, which was no doubt, I believe, Jesus Christ that had to pull his thigh out of the socket to let him walk with a limp so that the Lord could be his crutch. You know, it's just amazing how far back Jesus goes because his truth is truth. So anyway, uh, look at verse 13. Jesus answered and said unto her, whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst but the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. So you see, if you drink of the waters of Christ, if you are a partaker of Jesus Christ, or like uh, John 7 and 38 says, that if you believe on Jesus, as the scriptures have said, he doesn't just say if you believe in Jesus, if you believe on him, as the scriptures have said, that out of our bellies will flow rivers of living water. Why? Because if the truth is in us, there won't be any resistance. If there's no sin in us, then there won't be any resistance stopping the flow of God from operating in our lives. I used an example earlier how if we're hypocrites and we try and preach the gospel, what's resisting us from the life of God springing into another? It's our own conscience. You short circuit the power of God when you're not living and walking in it. But you know, when you are living right for God, you've got such confidence to speak the words of God because you're not resisting the spirit of God. That's important. 
So look at verse 15. The woman saith unto him, sir, give me this water that I thirst not, neither come hither to draw. Jesus saith unto her, go call thy husband and come hither. So the question is, huh? Why would the Lord want her husband there if this woman is now seeking the water? Okay, Lord, you sold me on this living water. It sounds like a great deal. Man, life is gonna spring up out of me. I'll become an evangelist. I'll be telling people about you. I'll be fruitful. So Lord, give me the water. You know, and the Lord says, well, before we do that, go get your husband. So what does the husband have to do with her receiving living water? Let's look at verse 17. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said unto her, thou hast well said, I have no husband. So Jesus made it very clear to her. Yeah, you have said well that you're a fornicator. You, you said absolutely the truth that you have no husband. You're not lying about that, but you are a fornicator. Look at verse 18. For thou hast had five husbands, and he whom thou now has is not thy husband, uh, in, thy, in that uh, sayest thou truly. So the Lord said, I'm telling you up front about your life. You have five husbands, and the one you're with now is not your husband. Look at verse um, 19. The woman saith unto him, Sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet. So what she knew was the Lord was telling her the truth. Our fathers worshiped in this mountain, and ye say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. Jesus saith unto her, woman, believe me, the hour is come, the hour cometh when ye shall neither in this mountain uh, nor yet at Jerusalem worship the Father. So the reason why the Lord brought up to this woman, he wanted to tell her about her life. You want the Holy Spirit, you want to be full of Christ, you want to do the things that I'm telling you, you want to have this living water springing out life in your belly, then you must understand that you've got to clean up your life to be with me. So he was telling the woman what her errors was, what they were so that she could forsake them and desire to follow Christ. You see how that goes? You've got to clean up the lies and the deception and the dirt in your life to walk with Jesus Christ fully. So you want living water? Allow my light to shine in you and remove darkness from you so that you can have the truth. You see how liberating that is? She doesn't have to hide and sneak around the people's houses. She can openly say, yeah, Lord, you're right. I'm doing this and I need to stop it. Look at verse 22. Ye worship, ye know not what. We know what we worship for salvation is of the Jews. So Jesus was telling this woman, you worship a God that you don't even know because you don't know Christ. There's a lot of false religions out there they worship, they know not what. But as for the Christian, we know who we worship because salvation is of Jesus Christ. We can point to Jesus Christ. We can point about his life. Everything is written about him, what we need to do, where we're going when we die, depending on what we believe, and that he's prepared a place for us. The Lord is good, and he tells us in great detail the truth. You follow Muhammad, you know, you believe that you can blow yourself up and receive 72 virgins. You know, that's the biggest lie, okay? Because our God is holy. But you see, if you believe in, you know, all these false religions, um, Muhammad believed he was being deceived by an angel named Gabriel that made him suicidal. So you see, there's lots of examples of this, guys. 
I mean, you look at Buddha, Buddha told you find your own way. Okay, so if I find my own way, I could go the right way or the wrong way. You know, the, the um, Hindus, 300 million gods. So you see, they worship, they know not what, but we know what we worship because salvation is of the Jews. You see, the Jews were the first Christians and from them it sprung up to the Gentiles that we may be, you know, um, the branches of, or the leaves of the branches, you know, as the Christians. So you see, they are in the truth and this is where we ought to be. So look at verse 23, but the hour cometh and now is when the true worshipers shall worship the father in spirit and in truth for the father seeketh such to worship him. So what is God the father looking for? True worshipers who shall worship the father in spirit and in truth. You can't serve the Lord without the Holy Ghost. That's why we need the Holy Ghost so that we can walk in his truth and be empowered. Those are the ones that God is looking for, those who get full of Jesus Christ. Look at verse 24, God is a spirit, and them that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. So when you walk or worship in spirit, you don't worship according to the flesh. You find a lot of fleshly worship in church with people singing solos and trying to receive accolades and affectations and telling people things about themselves that are not true, emulating someone that they saw on TV. You see, that's fleshly worship, but true spiritual worship comes from true revelation and intimacy with Jesus Christ. That when you sing from your heart, you're not trying to please or perform others, you're worshiping because that's how you are moved by the spirit to do. So you see, God is a spirit. And if we're gonna worship God, we've got to worship him in spirit and in truth. Paul says that if we walk in the spirit, we will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Those who mind the things of the spirit, think of things of the spirit. Those who mind the things of the flesh, or you think of the things of the flesh. This is a good indicator to tell you and I whether or not we're walking in the spirit. And you see how liberating it is? When we worship God and we don't care what people think about us, in spirit and in truth, the lies and deception can't stick to you because you don't care about outward validation. You don't care about acceptance from the world. You can walk with Christ and live with him because that's who's inside of you. But let's move on. I just wanted to make that point. That woman in order to be able to receive had to walk in the truth. So let's go to 1 John chapter four. I wanna make a point here. 1 John chapter four. I want to make a good point here. First John four, let's look at verse one. And he says, beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets are going out into the world. So we understand that we need to test the spirits. We can't just believe that everything is of the spirit of God. We've got to test where those spirits come from. So look at the indicator in verse two. Hereby know we the spirit of God. Every spirit that confesseth that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. So we must understand the term come in the flesh because a lot of people are professing Christ and they claim that they confess him 
but they don't know him. If you believe in Jesus Christ, you've got to believe everything the Bible said about him. Not just that he came in the flesh, but that he did what was in the flesh. I mean, he did all the things that he did in the flesh, his fleshly testimony. Did he really get baptized? Did he fast 40 days? Did he die and was raised, you know, on the third day for you and I to take care of our sins? That's true testimony. When they tell you that he was the Messiah, that he is the Christ, the son of the living God, then you know that they are confessing that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh. But if people try and give you another Jesus, another gospel, you'll be given over to another spirit if you believe it. But we've got to have the right Jesus, the right gospel, and the right spirit. Look at verse three. And every spirit that confesseth not that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. And this is the spirit of Antichrist, whereof ye have heard that it should come, and even now is already in the world. You know, a lot of people that get involved in new age religion, they claim that they know Jesus. They'll always tell you about Jesus, but they'll always talk to you about a different Jesus, not the real Jesus. They'll tell you, well, this Jesus doesn't care what you do. This is a 21st century Jesus that loves everybody and doesn't want, you know, doesn't judge people for the things that they do. But if you know Jesus, you know that's not the right one. Many of them believe that he didn't die on the cross. They believe all sorts of things, but you see, that's the spirit of Antichrist because a lot of these spirit gods that come to people and talk to them, they'll say the one that you call Christ. You see, they don't have any respect for him and they can't really say the name of Jesus, but they'll say the one that you call Christ, or they'll try and broaden it out and say the Christ consciousness, which is there is no such thing, but they try and make Jesus impersonal and they'll tell you he was no big deal. You see, you and I can have the Christ consciousness so that we can be equal to him. We'll never be equal to Christ. We can be as Christ, as the spirit wills us to be full of Christ, to do the things that he's done, but he is still and always will be our Messiah, our King of Kings, our Lord of Lords. But you see a lot of people are introduced to a false Jesus. Verse four, ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. What is that? That's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit guides us and births Christ out of us that we may be like him. Look at verse five. They are of the world. Therefore speak they of the world and the world heareth them. Come on, Christians. How many times have we ever been in this place where we're trying to prove that Jesus Christ is right and true and all you get is a bunch of people telling you, oh man, you know, but then you'll get some moron that will tell you some worldly fleshly garbage and they got the whole crowd, the whole auditorium is listening to them. Oh yeah, right, exactly. We can live the way that we want. This person is right, but man, I don't know what they're talking about over here. You know why? They're of the world. And if you're of the world, your father is the devil because you have yet to be born again and receive the mind of Christ that you may understand what is the truth. So don't be discouraged when you speak the truth Stand there alone in the truth, whether it's just you and Christ and nobody else. You become the majority of one because you are walking in the truth. Look how liberating that is. Look at how God can get you to the place of standing alone that you don't need outward validation from anyone. 
I'm with, I'm with Christ. I know he is the truth. And that is the way that I'm going to walk. But you see, it's important that we know this because if you look at verse six, look at what happens. We are of God. He that knoweth God heareth us. He that is not of God heareth not us. Hereby know we the spirit of truth, which is the Holy Spirit and the spirit of error. So you see, when we don't give ourselves over to the spirit of truth, the spirit of error is right there to reinforce the lie. That's why when we hear the truth, it is important that we begin to walk in it and do what the Lord says. Because if we don't receive Christ, then we're going to receive antichrist. And what's gonna happen? You will be reinforced in your beliefs to not follow Christ and to live and believe the lie. You don't wanna do that. You want to test the spirit and you wanna walk in the spirit of truth, okay? All right, so let's move on. I wanna to get to another point as we talk about this spirit of truth. Look at John 14 and let's look at verse one. Man, it is just so much better. I'm learning more and more every day is to just tell the truth. Just tell people the truth, man. If you didn't look at, I'll give you a few examples of this. That people might tell you at work they saw. You remember when you were a little kid, they'll ask if you saw the movie and you'll say, yeah. And then they'll say, okay, what was it about? And now you um, you try and think of the previews. and um, Well, um, you know, because it's kind of like, you start making stuff up and people looking at each other, they know you didn't see it. But you see how that just put chains on you? All you had to do was say, I never saw the movie. Then nobody's going to get mad at you for it. They'll just say, oh, you need to see it. So you see, when we get to that place of allowing lies to tackle us and to cover us, man, you can't be liberated. You got to remember the lie that you told last. You got to make up this false image of who you are. You know, you'll come to work with new clothes or school and a person say, hey, man, that's a nice outfit I like. You know, and just say thank you. But what do we try and do? Go up and buy more clothes just so that we can live in that reputation. We have a reputation for something that we know we can't hold up, but now we have bound ourselves to trying to perform for others. Man, we gotta get past that. Whether people love you or hate you, Jesus Christ loves you, and he's all you need to be full. Look at John 14, let's look at verse one. person ask you, do you love him? Tell them the truth. They ask you, you know, do you see yourself being with me? Tell them the truth. Okay. Don't get caught up in, well, you're kind of good, but you know, I mean, yeah, yeah. Everything is fine. See, now you're stuck in the lie. You've got to know to tell the truth, to be liberated from it. That's what the truth does. It makes you free. John 14, look at verse one. Let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. This is Jesus. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would not have told you. Or um, if it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. You see how Jesus speaks in great detail? Because he is the truth. Look at verse three. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. So no one can say the things that Jesus has said 
because Jesus, he knows what is, you know? He could tell you right now what right, what's right next to the Father in his throne in heaven. He can tell you how the world began because he is the truth. Verse five, Thomas saith unto him, Lord, we know not whither thou goest and how can we know the way? Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Was Jesus bragging? No, that was just fact. The truth is a person. Love is a person. Righteousness is a person. Holiness is a person. And it's the person of God. If you want to be righteous, if you want to be true, if you want to be holy, if you want to be justified, you've got to walk in Christ. Other than that, you're a hypocrite. You're a hypocrite if you try and be truthful without Christ because you're only telling half the story. Well, he intended for you and I to tell the whole story and to know where all these things spring from. I don't wanna be no hypocrite. I wanna be right with Christ. Look at verse seven. If ye have known me, ye should have known my father also. And from henceforth, ye know him and have seen him. Philip saith unto him, Lord, she was the father and it sufficeth us. Jesus saith unto him, have ye been so long time with, have I been so long time with you, and yet thou hast not known me? Philip, he saith unto, I mean, he have seen, he that have seen me have seen the Father, and how sayest thou then she was the Father? Believe not that I am in the Father, and the Father in me. The words that I speak unto you, I speak not of myself, but the Father that dwelleth in me, he doeth the works. So, you know, just how the Father was with Jesus, we need to be with Christ. We need to be full of Christ so that we can glorify God with our lifestyle. People will know that you're a Christian because you've given your life to Christ, because people can see the godliness that is springing up in you. And this is not self-righteousness. This is true. Look at verse 11. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father in me, or else believe me for the very work's sake. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me, the works that I do shall he do also, and greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father. So what we understand is it doesn't mean that we would do greater works than Jesus. Jesus was confounded to one body when he was preaching the gospel. That's why he went unto the Father to give you and I the spirit so that we can do a greater work in the world. Instead of being one Christ, we can be many that are like Christ that can bring light and truth and life to a dying world, okay? A dark and corrupted world. So that's what he means by the greater works. Look at 13. And whatsoever ye shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If ye shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. If ye love me, keep my commandments. And I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever. And look at what that comforter is called. Even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but ye know him, and he, dwell, and he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. As you can see, 
The spirit of truth, Jesus makes clear here, the world can't receive. Neither can they know it. Why? Because they don't want him. You see, in order to get the spirit of truth, you've got to know Christ. What is the, what is the Holy Spirit? It's the spirit of Jesus Christ that is allowed to be in you and I. So he says that spirit will dwell with us, but it will also be in us. This is how we walk in the truth. Verse 18, I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. Yet a little while and the world seeth me no more, but ye see me because I live, ye shall live also. At that day, ye shall know that I am in the Father and ye in me and I in you. He that hath my commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me. And he that loveth me shall be loved of my father. And I love him and I will love him and will manifest myself to him. So as you can see, the importance of walking in the truth is this. Jesus doesn't want lip service. He doesn't want you just proclaiming him. He says, many profess me with their lips and honor me with their mouths, but their heart is far from him. Jesus knows that if we obey him, then we truly love him because Christ is in your heart, because you're going to feel what he wants. You're going to think what he wants. Your heart becomes the throne of God, that when you even decide to go the wrong way outside of truth, then God's spirit will convict you and I of sin and get us back on the righteous path. That's what this is about. So he says, if we keep his commandments, that he will love us and we show that we love him and the Father and Christ will manifest himself in us. You want to get full of the Spirit? You want manifestation of Jesus in your life? You've got to keep his commandments and walk with him. What commandments are those? The first and foremost is to love the Lord your God with your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And the second is to love your neighbor as yourself. On those two commandments hang all of the law and the prophets. Verse 23 says, uh, verse 22, Judah saith unto him, not Iscariot, this is not the traitor, Lord, how is it that thou will manifest thyself unto us and not unto the world? Jesus answered and said unto him, if a man love me, he will keep my words and my father will love him and we will come unto him and make our abode with him. So what is abode? Let's look at this word. This is G3438. That word is mone or mone. And it means a staying, abiding, a dwelling, an abode. To make in one abode, metaphorically of the God, um, metaphorically of the God, the Holy Spirit indwelling believers. So you get the Holy Spirit when you are obedient to God because God sees you're serious about the truth and following him. So then he manifests himself and empowers us to be able to walk this thing out, not as pretenders, not as liars, not as lukewarm Christians, but full of Christ and doing what he says. Look at verse 24, he that loveth me, um, he that loveth me not, loveth me not, keepeth not my sayings, and the word which ye hear is not mine, but the Father's which sent me. These things have I spoken unto you, being yet present with you. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things 
and bring all things to your remembrance, whatsoever I have said unto you. So the Holy Ghost, this spirit of truth, will come and will teach us all things and bring all things to our remembrance. This is so important, guys. This is so important that we be taught of the Holy Ghost because a lot of people think, you know, that my abilities are my own. I could just sit here and talk and it's just Derek planning words from time to time. Oh no, brother, I don't know what I'm going to say when I get up here. It's the Holy Ghost that gives the scriptures. It's the Holy Ghost that explains them. It's the Holy Ghost that quickens the mind and allows Christ in me to speak to you. That's what this is about. We all need to get full of Christ to walk in the truth that we can have Christ and do the things that Jesus tells us to. Look at verse 27. Peace I leave with you. My peace give I unto you. Not as the world giveth give, uh, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Ye have heard how I said unto you, I go away and come again unto you. If ye loved me, ye would rejoice because I said I go unto the Father, but my Father is greater than I. And now I have told you before, it come to pass, that when it has come to pass, ye might believe. That's the other thing about the word of truth, about the gospel, is that it tells us ahead of time what's going to come so that we automatically will have that peace around us to know God's word is true. That's why God gives us foreknowledge so that we can walk in the truth, so that when these things come to pass, we're not gonna be the ignorant people of the world that are shrouded in darkness. We're going to be those who will walk in the light and will say, the Bible says that that's exactly what is going to happen. And you're seeing the truth play out today. So that's why he gives us the truth. Look at verse 30. Hereafter, I will not talk much with you, for the prince of this world cometh, and he hath nothing in me. So the devil, the prince of this world, comes to Jesus, and he's got nothing in Jesus. You know why? Jesus walks in truth. The devil walks in darkness. In the light which is in Christ, there are no lies. In God, there is light, and there abideth no darkness in God. We've got to get to that place of walking in the truth that darkness will not abide in you and I. Verse 31, but that the world may know that I love the Father, and as the Father gave me commandment, even so I do. Arise, let us go hence. What we must understand too about the truth is, when we preach the gospel and we tell people about it, it's important that we understand if we identify with Christ, that's liberating all by itself. Because for those who are interested, they'll ask you about him and want to receive him. For those who are not, they don't want anything to do with you. You know what that does? It makes you free because you understand, okay, they don't want to be around me. I don't need to be accepted by them. I told them the truth. They don't believe it. So be it. You see, but when you are willing to receive the truth, I mean, or when you're willing to compromise the truth, I want to say, now you got to try and get along with people. You care what they think about you. You want to try and fit in when God is telling you, I make you whole. And that's what this is about. You compromise the truth when you can't handle rejection and you go and you try and uh, push the truth, which is Christ under the rug. Then you get a compromising spirit and then before you know it, 
well, Jesus might be the only way. Maybe, I mean, he may not be the only way. Maybe he, um, you know, manifests himself in different ways to different people. And you, but you see, that's compromise, which will bring out lies and will keep you from following the Lord. We've got to tell it point blank range. Jesus Christ is the only way. There is only one name given under heaven unto men whereby we must be saved. There is only one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. We've got to buy the truth and sell it not because truth is precious, you know, in a wicked and corrupt society. Truth is precious, period, but it's liberating, it's freeing. And that's what we need to do to walk with him. Look at John 15. John 15, look at verse 20, right next door. Thank you, Lord. John 15, look at verse 20. He says, remember the word that I said unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord. If they have persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they have kept my saying, they will keep yours also. So that's liberating in itself because people will ask me, how is it that you hear about all the rough stuff concerning the gospel and you don't compromise it? Well, I also know that I believe Jesus is saying the servant is not above his Lord. Okay, so if I know that, I've got a choice to make in the truth. I know that Jesus said it, it's written right here. So do I live my life in accordance to the way Christ said, or do I go into lies and fantasy and try and tell myself, well, Jesus is not gonna let me be persecuted because he loves me. You see, that's a warped, twisted way to see things. You've got to see them as the word of God says, because that's the liberating that takes place in knowing, hey, the Lord said it, I must live it, and I will endure it. That's just the way it goes. Look at verse 21. But all these things will they do unto you for my name's sake, because they know not him that sent me. If I had not come and spoken unto you unto them, uh, they had not had sin, but now they have no cloak for their sin. So as you can see, sin is a cloak. Sin allows you to get away with stuff because you're ignorant to it, you know? But you see, when the cloak is removed, now I've got a responsibility to receive it or not receive it. Is it true or is it not? I know now that fornication is wrong. Do I continue to walk with it or do I walk with Christ? I know that adultery is wrong. I know that lying is wrong. I know that, you know, uh, homosexuality is wrong. But you see, now that I know the truth, there's no more cloak for my sin. I've told you of the impending judgment on the unrighteous. I've told you of the love of Christ that wants to transform us, make us born again so that we can bear his image. Now it's up to you. And you see, that's liberating because either they're going to receive it or they won't. But it won't be because they didn't know. Look at verse 23. He that hath me, I mean, he that hateth me, hateth my father also. If I had not done among them uh, the works which, which none other man did, they had not had sin, but now uh, have they both seen and hated both me and my father. So Jesus gave them reason to believe, but they chose not to. But you see, if they hate you, they'll hate Jesus Christ also. 
And that's what we must understand. We got to see things for what they are. If you're married to an unbeliever, you know what I'm saying is true. You know that it tears your heart to know that your wife or husband does not believe in Jesus Christ. Don't try and fix that up. Don't try and butter it up. Don't try and make it something that's not true. They hate Jesus because they hate you talking about him. You got to be real with that and see it where it is. Jesus says that a man's foes will be they of his own household. Hey, do I want it to be that way? No. But is it true? Absolutely. You know, I'm grateful that my family supports this ministry and that, you know, they love the truth and they're, they're desiring it. But, you know, we're not, uh, what do you call it? We're not um, absent from maybe having to deal with that one day. Some of my family members are believers and you got others that aren't. You got some that believe that homosexuality is a sin, the majority of them. And then there are some that don't believe that. Well, hey, you know, they need to be saved too. But it's liberating that I can see that spirit is thicker than blood, okay? What you believe in spirit is thicker than what you believe in your flesh, than, than blood. This is so true, guys. Look how many people, I remember um, one brother one day, I think I told this story before, that uh, we were talking about the shape of the earth and I went back to Genesis 1 to show them what the earth was like and what did this man do? He, um, he was supposed to be, you know, my black brother. You know, I don't care about race, so you guys know I'm joking, but he was one that was supposed to be supporting me, but his hatred for the Bible was just telling me outright, you know, well, anybody could have wrote that. You know, what does firmament mean? And I said, firmament means, you know, an enclosure or whatever. I, I got ready to give him the scripture. He said, I don't know who could have wrote that. that could, anybody could have wrote that. So then a Muslim walks up and is hearing our conversation. A Muslim said to me, you know, no, I understand what you're saying about the truth. He turns to the Muslim and says, no, but you see, it could say dog. Read it in the original Greek. I said, OK, I got my concordance right here. Here's the Greek. Here's the Hebrew. No, but I want you to read it to me in the Greek. I said, do you understand Greek? What is the point of me? It's right here interpreted. Yeah, but it could say dog, but it could mean cat. Then he turns to the Muslim. You see what I'm saying? You see where I'm coming from? And I'm like, okay, so the Muslim might have given his life to Christ, receiving the truth, but because he can hear you talking, you turned him away from Jesus. And then you tell me once the Muslim leaves, oh, well, you know, no, I believe in Jesus and all that. I just don't believe in the firmament and all this other stuff. You see how you can be turned around? You see how you can become an enemy. Someone who was supposed to be my friend is now fighting me over the gospel because you know what the truth is? He hates Christ. Men love darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil. If Jesus said that in John 3, don't try and fix it up any other way. Don't try and change it and make it something different than what it is. If they hate you, for Jesus' name's sake, then they hate Jesus also. That's why he tells us, do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. Because what does righteousness have with unrighteousness? What do light have with darkness? What does Christ have with Belial? They are to be separate, okay? They do not run together because those are two different natures. One abides in the truth, the other chooses lies. They cannot run together unless they receive the truth. That's just the way it is, man. That is just the way it is.
So he says in verse 25, but this cometh to pass that the word might be fulfilled that is written in their law. They hated me without a cause. And you know what? If you really look at Jesus, they hate Jesus without a cause. Jesus said that sin is wrong, okay? That we need to live right. We need to love God first and foremost. He's our source of life and we need to love our neighbor. You love your neighbor, you're not gonna sleep with his wife. You're not gonna fornicate and damn them to hell. It's telling them that you love them. You're gonna give them the truth. So why did they hate Jesus? Because he brought the truth in a wicked and dark society, unwilling to receive him. Look at verse 26, but when the comforter is come, that's the spirit of truth whom I will send unto you from the Father, even the spirit of truth which proceedeth from the Father, he shall testify of me. So what does real truth speak of? What will the Holy Ghost or those who claim to have him do? He will speak of Jesus Christ. Look at verse 27. And ye also shall bear witness because ye have been uh, with me from the beginning. That's, that's the safety valve. When do they speak of Christ or do they not? Look at John 16. Almost done, guys, almost done. John 16, let's look at verse one. These things have I spoken unto you that ye should not be offended. So he told them the truth so that they would not be offended. They shall put you out of the synagogues. Yea, the time cometh that whosoever killeth you will think that he doeth God's service. You know, this was a type of Paul. Paul killed because he thought he was doing God's service. A lot of people believe Christians are mean and evil and nasty because of the reason is they tell you the truth. The gospel infringes on your belief system and people can't handle that. Like, like what that movie or Jack Nicholson said, you want the truth, you can't handle the truth. He's absolutely right. How many of us can handle the truth? There are a lot of people say that they love Jesus, but if he were here, would you accept him and follow him or would you crucify him again because he told you about the truth? It's what we gotta figure out. Verse three. And these things will they do unto you, because they have not known the Father nor me. But these things have I told you, that when the time shall come, ye may remember that I told you of them. And these things I said not unto you at the beginning, because I was with you. So the Lord didn't want them to be offended. He told them the truth, that they may see that God is true. Look at verse five. But now I go my way to him that sent me, and none of you asketh me whither goest thou, but because I have said these things unto you, sorrow hath filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient for you that I go away, for if I go not away, the comforter will not come unto you, but if I depart, I will send him unto you. So what's important is, Jesus said, I know that sorrow fills your heart, with what I'm gonna tell you. But nevertheless, I'm going to give you the truth. Why did he give them the truth? Because he wanted them to not be offended in the time when all these things would happen that their faith may fail. You see, you don't know God unless you accept the truth. Unless you live for the truth, there's no way in the world that you can obtain it. 
Verse eight, and when he has come, he will reprove the world. Look at what the Holy Ghost will do. When the Holy Ghost has come, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. So a lot of people are pushing this false love gospel today. And they're telling you that God wouldn't judge you. God is love. He's not gonna make you feel bad. That's a lie. There's a lot of things I've heard in this Bible that have made me feel bad, but it was only for edification and sanctification that I may receive the truth. So he says, reprove of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Look up the word reprove. That means um, to, re uh, this is G1651, to convict, refute, confute, generally with the suggestion of shame of the person convicted by conviction to bring to the light, to expose, to find fault with, correct by word, to reprehend severely, chide, admonish, meaning warn, reprove, to call to account, show one his fault, demand an explanation by deed to chasten, to chasten and to punish. So a lot of people believe they like the Holy Ghost, but the Holy Ghost is coming to reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. That's the true gospel. That's the only gospel that's backed by the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost is never void of truth. He's the spirit of truth. Love is never void of truth. Let me prove this to you. Let's go to 1 Corinthians 13. I'm just about done, guys. 1 Corinthians 13. Thank you, Jesus. 1 Corinthians 13, let's look at verse one. He says, though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not charity, I am become as a sounding brass or as a tinkling cymbal. So charity is God's definition of love. Let's look at um, oh God's love. Let's look up charity. This is G26. That word means brotherly love, affection. The word is agape. It's goodwill, love, benevolence, love, feast. Okay. And it says, you know, that's what we should, that's what we're supposed to have that true unconditional love towards people. So he says, if, like, if I'm here preaching the gospel to people and I'm just talking to be heard and I'm not preaching out of love so that souls can be saved, then I'm just a sounding brass and a tinkling cymbal. What should be in my heart are souls getting saved? Look at verse two. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains and have not charity, which is God's agape love, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned and have not charity, it profiteth me nothing. So I need to love and love for real. You got a lot of rich, benevolent, benevolent benefactors, okay? Benevolent benefactors, sorry, that will, you know, do charities on TV, have the news there and see we're feeding the homeless. But really they're doing it for their popularity. So that's what he's talking about. But look at how he describes it in verse four. Charity suffereth long and is kind. Charity envieth not. You don't envy when you love and you don't mind suffering long and being kind when you love. Does that mean you won't convict people of sin and people won't feel bad? 
Absolutely not. Those are two different things. So charity vaunteth not. It vaunteth not itself is not puffed up. So charity is not proud. I'm not doing things to be seen. Charity is selflessness. Look at verse five. Doth not behave itself unseemly. Seeketh not her own. Is not easily provoked. Thinketh no evil. So true love doesn't seek evil and it's not easily provoked and it doesn't behave itself un, un you know, what do you call it? Unruly. Or, you know, look at verse six. Rejoice not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in the truth. So what do we know about love? It doesn't rejoice in iniquity. It doesn't find sin enjoyable and, and you don't uh, have a love for it. You know, you don't rejoice in unrighteousness, but you rejoice in the truth. So true love rejoices in the truth. Other than that, you're just a self-idolater, not wanting the truth to be told to you or known to you because you don't want to feel bad. That's a self-idolater. I don't care if I've got to feel bad for Christ to crack this egg open and get in there and clean it out so that I can be a vessel fit to every good work. Hey, I'm only going to feel the pain once. But once the surgery is done, then I can be the new man for Christ. So we've got to allow the spirit of God to get in. All right, so two more scriptures and I'm done. Let's go to John chapter 17. I want to make this point that Jesus made. Okay. Okay, look at verse nine. Look at what the Lord says. Okay, this is John 17 and look at verse nine. He says, I pray for them. I pray not for the world, but for them which thou art given me, for they are thine. And all mine are thine and thine are mine, and I am glorified in them. So Jesus is praying to the Father, Lord, those who you gave me that are walking in the truth, they're glorifying me and I'm glorifying you. Okay, look at verse 11. And he says, and now I am no more in the world, but these are in the world. And I come to thee, Holy Father, keep through thine own name those whom thou hast given me, that they may be one as we are one. So Jesus' desire is that we may be one. If Jesus is the truth and he is the way and he is the life, then we need to be the truth to proclaim the truth to others and live in the ways of Jesus and talk to them about the life of Christ. Look at verse 12. While I was with them in the world, I kept them in my name. Those that thou gavest me, I have kept, and none of them is lost, but the son of perdition, that the scripture might be fulfilled. So, you know, he's talking about Judas Iscariot, all the others he kept, except for Judas, because the scripture needed to be fulfilled. The Lord wanted to save Judas. He wanted to wash his feet but he gave Judas the same opportunity as anybody else. But what kept Judas from doing the right things? His unwillingness to receive the truth. Look at verse 13. And now come I to thee, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them thy word, and the world have hated them because they are not of the world even as I am not of the world. I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world, 
but that thou shouldest keep them from the evil. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them through what? Thy truth, thy word is truth. So the word of God sanctifies us because that's what the truth does. It sheds light on lies and darkness and it renews us. So he made it clear, sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. Look at verse 18. As though, as thou hast seen me uh, into the world, or thou hast sent me into the world, even so have I also sent them into the world. And for their sakes, I sanctify myself that they also might be sanctified through the truth. So notice, Jesus just wasn't all talk. He wasn't just somebody that would just say good things, but he had skeletons in his own closet. He says, I sanctify myself that I may sanctify others, that I may sanctify others through the truth. You see, the truth has to be lived. That's the real power in it. That's what's liberating about it. That's what sets us free or makes us free. It is the truth that is in Jesus Christ and God's word alone. That's what we need to be sanctified. That's what we need to stay sanctified. And that's what we need to have happen to us so that others can be saved. Last scripture of the night in your spare time, read John 3, one through four, where um, it's um, actually, yeah, John 3 or third John. And it says, God delights in, you know, when we walk in the truth. Okay, so that's that's third John, the epistle of John. But God delights in us when we walk in the truth. So last scripture of the night that I'm going to, let's go to Philippians 4. Let's look at verse 1, and we are going to close out from there. Philippians 4, and let's look at verse 1. Thank you, Jesus. Philippians 4 and 1, he says, Therefore, my brethren, dearly beloved and longed for my joy and crowned so steadfast in the Lord, my dearly beloved. I beseech Eudeus and beseech Syntyche uh, that they be of the same mind in the Lord. Who was Eudeus Eudeus and uh, Syntyche? They were actually two sisters in the Lord that were in the church of Philippi. So these are two sisters that Paul says that he prays that they have the same mind in the Lord. That's the truth in Christians too. We shouldn't have different belief systems, different sects, different, uh, what do you call it, um, denominations. We're not. I'm not talking about an ecumenical movement. I'm talking about everybody being in the truth under Christ. Not everybody merging as a church, believing what you want. That's gonna be up under the antichrist, but to be in the truth in Christ. Okay, so that's what he's talking about. Verse three, and I entreat thee also, true yoke fellow help, those women which labored with me in the gospel with Clement also, and with other uh, my fellow laborers whose names are in the book of life. So they walked in the truth. They were true yoke fellow help. They were not, you know, wishy-washy type of folk. They were in it to win it. Look at verse four. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Be careful for nothing, 
but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds and minds through Christ Jesus. Look at verse eight. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report. If there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. So the Lord wants us to remain in the truth, to remain in the spirit, to remain in purity, to remain in the, you know things that are just and honest. These are the things that we need to think on. These are the things we need to meditate on. This is how we need to live our lives. And we can actually total all these things together and bring it into one complete set is if we follow Christ and obey him and allow him to live in us, he becomes everything that this word says. He is the living word. He is the truth. He is the life. He is the bread of life. He is the resurrection. He is that he is. He is everything that we need. And if we follow Christ and we do what Jesus Christ says, the truth that is in Christ will make you and I free. And that's what we need to do. So I just want to tell brothers and sisters tonight that I love you. You know, give your life to Jesus while it's still time. Walk in the truth. Desire the truth. Eat it up. Because if you're really on a path of what is true, you're going to find. It's going to lead you to one place, and that is to Jesus Christ. That's where the life is. That's where it all is. That's where it began. And when he comes back, that is where it's going to end. Okay, so give your life to Christ where there is still time. If you know you're not saved and nobody knows this more than you, you can give your life to Jesus Christ today. Repent of your sins. Ask him to forgive you of your sins. Turn and walk away from it. Walk with him. You know, ask him or believe in his death, burial, and resurrection. Believe that he died for your sins and that he's coming back for a church without spot or wrinkle. Get baptized, get into God's word, and ask the Lord for the gift of the Holy Spirit that you can be empowered to live that life for Christ. So let's pray, and then I think we can go out from there, guys. All right, let's pray and go out. Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you for this time of sharing. I thank you for the word of God. I thank you for our brothers and sisters, Lord, that have listened to this channel, Lord, that have heard your truth, those who will desire you and those who will desire to walk with you. I pray, Lord, that you reinforce the spirit of truth in their lives, that you pour out the Holy Ghost upon them to empower them to live a righteous life. Those who will seek you in the end, man, those who will live every day for you, those, Lord, who have trouble with their families that they need to proclaim the gospel to, I pray, Lord, that you pour your spirit upon them. Make them whole, Lord. Fix the, the fragmented soul and build them up in the ways of Christ that we may bear your image. I pray for a special anointing over them, Lord, that you make their purposes in their lives be known. If there are any sick among us, I pray for the healing of the Holy Ghost, that they will be restored. I pray for my brother Rock T. I pray for my brother Greg in Italy. I pray for my brother Ethan. I pray for my sister Tara. I pray for all those brothers and sisters that are out there, Lord, that are willing to follow you and do. Lord, I pray for my brother Michael Adams and his health. I pray for my brother and sister Heather and Gary, Lord. 
that you restore them. I pray for my sister Heather's health. Lord, I pray, Lord, that whatever's going on in there, in Jesus' name, Lord, I pray that you relieve her of her pain. For you are a great physician, Lord, and there is nothing too hard for you. I pray for my mom, Lord. I pray for my dad and his eye. I pray for all the brothers and sisters within and without ministry that believe on the name of Jesus. I pray that healing be brought to them in Jesus' name. And all these things, Lord, we pray for, for your glory and your honor alone. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So that's gonna wrap it up for today. Um, actually, I'm supposed to be doing a teaching later. I'm not sure if I will. You know, I'd have to get prayed up and filled. But uh, later on today, there's supposed to be a teaching called um, Saul and David, A Tale of Two Kings. So that should be a good teaching comparing both personalities, making sure that we are of David and not of Saul. If I don't do it, guys, I will put it up next week for sure. But, um, you know, tomorrow night, we've got a teaching at uh, 7.30 p.m. Pacific time, 10.30 p.m. Eastern time, and it's gonna be on the joy of rejection. Okay, that's what we gotta go after. We must understand that there is great joy in rejection. This will be the second teaching that we've ever done on the spirit of rejection. I think you guys are gonna find it good, that it will be helpful, that it'll be edifying, and it will build us up in Christ because I'm not expecting to teach that lesson. It will be the Holy Ghost that brings us into all truth and righteousness. So that's tomorrow night's uh, teaching. I just wanna tell brothers and sisters, do not forsake your prayer closet. This is no time to go without the spirit of God and fellowship with brothers and sisters of a like precious faith. Get into God and spend time with him with a plate turned over. You know, you've got to fast sometimes to grow in spirit with the Lord. But I just want to say I love you all. Until next time, I'm Minister Derek Hallett of Sound the Trumpet Ministries, soundthetrumpetministries.com. You can subscribe to the channel for good teachings or don't. Either way, I love you all. Have a good night.